you'll really like. Because there's just nothing better than this. The TrojanSports.com podcast kicks off. Right now? Right now. No, no, I don't know. You said. Cock-a-doodle-doo, Bob. Oh, yeah. Direct from Rivals and Yahoo Sports. This, this is the TrojanSports.com podcast. For a USC with Trojan Sports Publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Moving on. You, love 30, you better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean about the him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the, okay. Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. Message boards. We start March. Yeah. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Is that your first joke? Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. now, now. Welcome back to another edition of the Trojansports.com podcast. I am your host and the publisher of Trojansports.com, Chris Swanson. I'm here with Adam Maya, who uh, is so amazing he doesn't even have a title he's just adam maya much like sam darnold is just sam at this point adam how are you i'm only good when you introduce me well that's rare once it hits your lips it feels so good oh oh i don't even know what to say to that so i guess we'll just get right into what we're doing today uh we have a a big show coming because uh, the season's right around the corner so usc of course hasn't released a depth chart yet they want to keep us waiting until that first game so we're gonna project a depth chart for you all and kind of go through the team and the ins and outs of everything and uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about who could be redshirting who's not going to be redshirting in this freshman class but before we get into all of that i'm gonna plug a couple things on the site Adam Mai has been doing a great job covering the beat. Check out USC Training Camp Central uh, for all the latest on uh, what happened in training camp, which just recently ended. And uh, you'll notice that a couple of things we're going over today. Also, stories on the site, so check it out in print. On the recruiting side of things, I've been doing a lot too. Uh, so make sure to look at my stories. Uh, the latest on five-star wide receiver Jalen Hall is on our site. Uh, the latest on... A uh, defensive tackle in the 2018 class. I'm not going to give away anything, but that USC's talking to, so you got to be on Trojansports.com to check that out. And a story that's getting a lot of traction on the message boards and a lot of uh, crazy tweets. USC 2018 tight end commit from Long Beach Poly. Cameron McDonald says he's committed, but he's going to take visits, and he's, quote, flippable. So check (laughs) out that story and uh, sign up at usc.rivals.com slash sign underscore up and make sure to leave all your hateful messages about how somebody might back off their commitment to USC on our message board. We're used to it. We love it. Get on there. Do it. Sometimes I really miss Chris Morales and this is one of those times. Because I'm terrible? Is that, is that, no, is no. a bad host? I wasn't or? trying to infer that, but oh, okay. I'm glad that you picked up on it. No, because, uh, because you get flippable because there was an eclipse today. I made that inappropriate joke at the top of the show. I just wish that he was here for the intro. And then we would say goodbye to him, and then maybe he would wrap up our show. Well, good. I miss Chris Morales, too. I miss all the things that I used to say on the show that now gets cut out by Adam Maya. So, uh, yeah, miss you, Chris. And uh, what an interesting introduction to our show. Thank you for that, Adam. 
You want to just jump right into this depth chart? Let's talk about it. So Let's do it. USC has not released an official depth chart since before the Rose Bowl. Typically, they would release one at the end of spring, but they did not do that last year in 2016, and they did not do it this year, and I'm told they're likely not going to do that anymore at the end of spring. And now, they're not releasing one at the end of training camp. They're going to do it the week of the opener. We often get that on Sunday night. We get like a, a package of notes uh, from the school to the media with that depth chart. We get that weekly, uh, the Sunday before the next game. And it looks like the first depth chart will be coming on Sunday night. But we can't wait that long. And I've been charting a lot of this throughout camp. And so I put together a depth chart that I've been updating throughout camp. And I've updated it since the end, which was this past Saturday. So I figure we go through it position by position. Most of it I'm pretty confident about. There's some spots where I'm really having to take a guess. But it's based on what we saw, the way people were playing, and really who they were working with, whether it was the first team or second team or below that. So are we starting with the toughest position to handicap this year? <laughs> Quarterback? Is that where you want to start? Let's start there. Okay. Uh, number one. Ooh, I mean, it's a tough battle. but uh, It still might be open. It might be open, but I, I'm going to say Sam Darnold. Yeah, so Sam Darnold's the starter. Now, we thought there could be a competition between uh, Matt Fink and Jack Sears to be the backup. But it became apparent even in spring practice that there wouldn't be one there. And not because there shouldn't be one there, but because Jack Sears is in a red shirt. We haven't been able to interview him yet, and the question I'm going to ask him when we can is how open he is to burning that red shirt in the event of an injury to Darnold, whether it be short-term or significant. Because I believe that if there were a significant injury, we could see Jack Sears this year. But if it was a short-term one, maybe an in-game one where he came back later in the game or a couple weeks, I don't think Sears is playing. I think he's locked into that red shirt in that scenario and that Matt Fink is the backup. That's what I love about you, Adam Maya. The difference between you and some freshman intern at USC is your first question to Jack Sears is, so if Sam Darnold gets a significant injury, you're just diving right into it. I love it. I agree with you, though. I think that's that what that does happen. Yeah. yeah, it does. That's what, If it happens, you have to look at that because are they really comfortable throwing Matt Fink into game action? I mean, they're probably not going to be comfortable throwing Jack Sears into game action either, but I think at that point you have to look at, hey, what's actually uh, – better for your team and not, you know, what's better for your team in the future, which I think is uh, what the the reason is behind the red shirt right now. Somebody not on this depth chart, but you can put them there in pencil, is Jalen Green. We spoke with Tyson Helton this week, who revealed that Green wouldn't necessarily need to practice that quarterback to be thrust under center in a game. Now, again, oh. if, if, yeah, I know. That, that kind of says something about someone else. But I, I've thought that for a while now, that if Darnold were temporarily down, that Jalen Green would be someone that they would consider. Maybe not the first person. I would think it would be Fink. But depending on how that went, 
I could totally see Jalen Green playing before Jack Sears. I really think that Sears only gets in the field if Darnold's out for a while. But if it's temporary, I think Green would move to quarterback at that point um, in the ensuing week of practice and compete with Fink to play You know, if Darnold were not available. What does that say about USC's backup quarterback situation this year? Well, Jalen Green is paid right now to start at receiver. Of course, he came into the program as a quarterback, but hasn't really been there for the better part of a year now. What do you think about it? I, I mean, I think that's it's kind of scary to think that if Sam Darnold went down, you know, normally in, in the past with USC, you know, it's, it's always, oh, if somebody goes down, you know, these guys might be young behind them, but, you know, they have the, the resume, you know, they or whatever else, and I mean, Jack Sears is the only guy on the roster that has a resume like Sam Darnold's coming out of high school. You know, it's kind of an interesting situation for USC to be in. I mean, I think of, you know, if they didn't get Jack Sears, which he was committed to Duke, right, at one point, and I know that Max Brown, you know, not like losing the job kind of changed everything, made it more wide open. That's kind of why they ended up with a quarterback that was probably, you know, as good as him. But it's just interesting to look at that depth chart and just see like oh wow like there might be like two like three star like borderline pack 12 quarterbacks coming out of high school that are two and three on usc's depth chart at quarterback it's just very interesting to see that uh and i don't think it's a good thing no i like what i've seen from Sears in training camp although his reps really diminished in the latter half of camp because it was again it was evident that fink would be the backup quarterback and they want to get him ready because he might play this year. Um, I mean, I think he'll definitely play in one form or another, whether it be a blowout or an emergency. Whereas with Sears, they're really trying not to play him this year. So I think he's going to be a good quarterback. But will he be a good quarterback now? I don't know. Probably not. Uh you're hoping he'll be a good quarterback next year, right? So Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they need him to be. That's what they need. With Fink, it's hard for me to say. I, I've i been asked about him a lot, of course, and the easy comparison for me is Aaron Corp. And I liked what I saw from Aaron Corp, whether it, had, whether it was in high school or in practice at USC more. And that, that probably doesn't make too many people happy to hear that. But if I'm being well, honest... you did leave out... You did leave out Washington 2009. Yeah, so, and, and that, I mean, that was bad. That, and, that, and so I, we don't know until he got to play because when Corp did play, it did not go well. And there, there was a lot around that game. So, you know, it's a very small sample size. But... That didn't look good. And I, I'd like to think I think wouldn't play like that. But just what I saw from them in practice, if I were comparing the two, I like Court more. But they're, they're kind of similar. Similar style, similar athletes, similar game. But, yeah. yeah, there's not much uh, drama right now uh, in the depth chart at quarterback. Other no, we spent way too much time on it. Yeah. We can move on. We, 
We did. Backfield. I we'll you know we'll skip the fullbacks. Yeah. You know. <laughs> what position is that? What? Who? Who? Tailback. Uh, also, I think. Well, the top is pretty simple. And then I think that you have a situation where is is this young guy Stephen Carr? Is he? Uh, how far is he jumping in to the mix? So what are you thinking, Adam? What's your uh, what's your depth chart for tailback? All right. Well, I listed Carr and Orr with Vavai Malapai, who I, I asked. By, by the way, I asked Vavai how to pronounce his last name. I asked him a few times because I really want to get it right, and I think I just said it wrong again. But I remember Good. he told me that it rhymed with Vavai. So I think it's Molapai. Vavai, Molapai. That makes sense. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, they, they've been splitting a lot of the second team work. Aga Cedric Ware has been there as well. But he's clearly been the fourth guy. So I put him fourth. Now in the season opener, I wouldn't be surprised if Ware came in after Rojo. Just because... He's the junior, and why Why not? You know, in that game, first quarter, Western Michigan, don't be surprised if Ware comes in next. But I don't think it'll take long before Stephen Carr really becomes the number two back. So their depth chart might look a little different than what I put down. But again, what I put down is really what it's looked like in practice. Because Carr's already elevated past where, and I would say, at, if at least, at the very least, broken even with Vavai. But he's been better. In fact, I'm going to go on record and say I think Stephen Carr is the most talented running back on the roster. Now, will he be the best one this season? Maybe not. Probably not. It'll probably be Rojo. And you know how much I like Rojo. But I think Carr is more talent, and you know he, he he stands to have maybe even greater career. You never know with running backs, especially because of health and you know carries. You, you don't know how many carries you're going to get. Stephen Carr is USC's most versatile running back since who? Because I feel like he's a little bit different, right? He can kind of do it all. I don't really remember them having that type of guy. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean. From a true freshman standpoint, it reminds me of Joe McKnight in terms of being able to do a lot of things and already being good, already playing at a higher level where they you just stand out in practice. When he comes in, he looks like one of the top two or three players in the field. So that that's what Joe McKnight did for me. But McKnight wasn't maybe as complete. Um, as good of a receiver, of course, and a great runner, but maybe not as good as a pass blocker. This is where Carr is already really advanced and why I think he can have a big role in this team. A week ago, we get over-unders, and I think we pegged him at 500 yards. And I can't remember what you said. I believe I said under. Do you remember what you said? I don't remember. Okay. But a week later now, I again, I'm guessing I said under. I want to go over because because of how advanced he is, how mature he is, how physically mature he is, I really think he's going to play a lot. And so he can eclipse 500 yards with enough carries. No problem. So if you were the coach, he'd be your number two back in the opener, like, going forward. 
you wouldn't have that or, right? Is that what you're I wouldn't saying? have that or, no. No, he'd be my number two. And I, that's still a good question that you asked, and I don't have a great answer yet. I'd have to think more about it, maybe talk to some other people, because to find a guy that's good in, in each phase of the position at this quickly, it, it's been a while. Yeah. Well, that's why I agree with you, and I would make him the number two back right off the bat anyway, because I feel like Jones is going to be your top guy. Carr's too young, but you play that guy because he does so many things well. He's such a threat to the defense. And then Malapai has his role, but he kind of falls to three. And then, to me, Oxedric Ware, I know he's older than Carr, but he's kind of like the poor man Stephen Carr. You know what I mean? He can he's he's can kind of do it all, but not as well. I feel yeah. like or not as talented. And I kind of, it kind of, I've seen guys like that at USC get replaced before. How, do good things. I think Ware's done a lot of good things, but then eventually get replaced. So yeah. to me, I would just bump him down, and I'd be you know ready to to ride in the Stephen Carr car. I guess I don't know yeah. what to call it. But I, I wonder how they're going to play it. I mean, Ware kind of reminds me of. CJ Gable, right? In the position that he was in. Mm-hmm. And yep. they always trusted Gable until they get it. In the later part of his career, they, they did not. But early on, you know, as a true freshman, he started. And he played a lot more than a lot of people thought he should have. And I, I understand that. And I think Carr is someone where you just want the ball in his hands. You want to give him 10 carries. I think that he's already one carries away from where and Vavai and I think he might win some away from Rojo where maybe Rojo doesn't get 25 carries but he gets right under 20 or about 20 right over 20 because you want to get Carr 10 carries yeah good problem to have trying to figure out what to do with that guy I'd say Let's uh, let's move to the other skill positions. Okay. Wide receiver. Uh, we'll start with uh, one of the outside spots, I believe. Uh, there's a it's 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 kind of gotten interesting too here. I, let's talk about let's start with wide receiver as a whole. Okay. Because they they can kind of move guys around and do some different things, um, and move, you know have guys on the outside who could be playing on the inside. Adam, what's been going on in practice? Because you know I know there's a lot of young guys that people have been. You know, kind of waiting on to see, but uh, I'm looking at your depth chart here, and it, it seems like it's uh, at least at the top. It's not very young, uh, you know, focused on the young guys at all, at least, you know, no. at the very top for these three positions that you have listed anyway. So tell us what's going on there. Yeah, the way I have it down is what we've seen for the last week, and that's Jalen Green on one side, Stephen Mitchell on the other, and then John Tabernett. That's consistently been the case with him on the first team in the slot position. For a while, it was Tyler Vines. He had emerged in spring practice, and in the first two weeks of training camp, was a first-team receiver on the outside. And then Mitchell took over. Is that the case? Is that really going to happen in the game? I don't know. Now, an insider on our board said that they've been told this is kind of a smoke screen and that Tyler Vaughn is going to start. That basically they want to light a fire under him. 
and I talked to Vaughn, and just from my conversation with him, he was pretty candid about it and acknowledged that he needed to do a little better and practice with more urgency. So they have time. They still have two more weeks before this opener. They can do whatever they want in practice. We've seen them make changes late, even the week of games, um, even in close practices where they show the media one thing and then they reverse it on that Thursday or Friday walkthrough. So I'm not that confident in what I have down. What I have is a reflection of what we saw in practice. And like I said, that's Jalen Green. And then behind him, we've seen a lot of Josh Umaterbebe. And on the other side, it's been Stephen Mitchell, who's an interesting choice on the outside to begin with. And then Tyler Vaughns. And then behind him, Joseph Lewis. I yeah I I don't love it, you know I I don't want to speak poorly of anyone in particular, but I do not like the way that things are lined up right now. So this depth chart is not my depth chart, meaning this is the way I would do it. I would do it very differently, in fact, at receiver. Yeah, I would too. Um... The, the slot receiver position is really the only one that makes sense to me, and I think that's kind of happened because they're, they're sort of loaded there. They could put Stephen Mitchell back in the slot, right, like very easily, and it would make more sense, and it's all of a sudden like, oh, you have three slot receivers that, like, you know, you might be playing, uh, and Burnett Jones and, and uh, obviously Mitchell. So I, I kind of get why they put one of those guys to the outside, but it makes me nervous because I feel like USC has been recruiting a lot of receivers and a lot of outside receivers. They have a lot of tall, big guys, whether they're freshmen or sophomores or redshirt freshmen or whatever. And uh, it, it's concerning that, you know, I know that even our uh, one of our board insiders says it's to, to light a fire under Tyler Vaughn's. Well, to me, it's concerning that you move Stephen Mitchell out there to light a fire under him. You know, instead of uh, just using one of these other big receivers, it's concerning to me that you have Jalen Green atop of the depth chart. That's a converted quarterback who's beating out four- and five-star receivers, some of whom are in their second year at USC, a position where you should be getting on the field quickly if you're talented enough. I think there's some reason to be concerned here. I know a lot of people aren't concerned just because they look at the stars, you know, all the all the star rankings, and it seems like USC's been recruiting receivers really well. I think USC's been recruiting a lot of good receivers. I'm not sure they've gotten a great one because if Jalen Green, you know, is taking that outside spot, if Stephen Mitchell's really competing to move to the outside uh, with the way they've recruited, that tells you something. It doesn't tell you anything good at this point. Yeah, you know, two years ago, they brought in six receivers. It was initially five, but then Keyshawn Young moved from corner to receiver. That makes six now. None of them are starting. And, yeah, and Michael yeah. Pittman, who suffered an ankle injury and might be out for the opener, he was not having a big training camp either. So that injury, while it came at a bad time, it's not the reason why he's not starting. He hadn't gotten any first-team reps. He was working with a second team behind Jalen Green. And doesn't that tell you something, too, that the guy that they picked to not redshirt you know, it's like they, they had a whole group of freshman receivers last year, a big group, like you said, and they redshirted them all for the most part, which is concerning. And then the guy that they picked to not redshirt 
isn't even breaking out. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's injured now, but it's just it's just a, to me it's a it's a big red flag. Big red flag. Okay. Who knows? Maybe maybe Tyler Vaughn starts and kills it, and maybe some of these freshmen you know end up playing down the line, which I think is what you would want to do anyway, Adam. But yeah, I was going to ask you, who would you have starting? What would be your lineup? What would be your your three starters, and then who would be let's say your your backups at each spot? Oh wow. Okay. Um. So I'm on the outside. Yeah. Uh, I am. Pr- I'm going young. Honestly, I'm. I'm just thinking. Why not? That's not. That's the way to go. And uh, I'm. I'm leaning towards Joseph Lewis, and I'm leaning towards Randall Grimes, just because I think that they they kind of look the part, and I know that they're not really getting, you know, the opportunity to really shine. But I feel like I've seen so many freshman receivers where you just like put them in, and eventually they figure it out, or sophomores, or whatever. That I would just go towards the youth movement because I'm honestly, I'm kind of ready to just move past some of these redshirt freshman receivers and, and just you know say hey prove it to me, uh, you know before I start believing in you. So I I honestly I would start Burnett as the as the uh, you know the returning starter the guy that I trust, and then I'd surround him with Randall Grimes. And Joseph Lewis. Okay. And maybe be ready to rotate uh, pretty regularly uh, on the outside. You know, maybe I try Deontay Burnett on the outside and put Vilas Jones at the slot or Stephen Mitchell at the slot. Uh, and then put maybe, you know, have Joseph Lewis and Randall Grimes battle for that other outside spot. Maybe because, you know, Deontay Burnett, since he's shown it, and I think he could play on the outside. It's not where you'd want him to play, but I think he can do it. So I'd maybe move him out there, uh, have Jones and Mitchell battle for the slot. And then have the two freshmen battle for the other outside, but I'm leaning young because uh, I, I am not I am not sold on any of these second year guys, and I'm definitely definitely not sold on having Jalen Green as your starting wide receiver. I think that that shows you that your receivers, if that's actually your best case scenario, your receivers are not that good. It's not a knock on Jalen Green. No, he's a converted. He's a but he's a converted quarterback. Yeah. He didn't even want to play wide receiver. He didn't come to SC to play wide receiver. You know what I mean? I think it's incredible that he's been able to do it and been able to compete with these guys. But I think it's a telltale sign that, hey, if they had a Marquise Lee, a Robert Woods, you know, uh, Mike Williams, a Dwayne Jarrett, that guy would be blowing everybody out of the water and he'd be ready to start freshman year. Yeah. I I like going young. I would would start Joseph Lewis on one side. Then the other side, I would start Tyler Vaughn, somebody who I haven't seen greatness in practice, but I I feel like he's been the second best guy in the, in the entire training camp, and I thought that he'd shown that by a good margin. I'm very surprised, and so I don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes, and you know maybe. They're just having issues with him that they need to work out. I understand that, so I'm not going to question all of it. But from just based on what we've seen in practice, Tyler Bonds has been behind Deontay Burnett. He's been the second best guy, and then I'd say Joseph Lewis has probably been the third, and that's why I I would start both of them, and then of course Deontay in the slot. And behind Deontay, I think you got to get Velas on the field. 
I'm not sure how you do it because you're probably not going to want to take Deontay off the field much. So I have a feeling that they're going to be creative and do some different things with him. I think you have to. I think that because of his speed and and that really kind of lacking among the entire group, he's just a weapon. He's a decoy, if nothing else. And from there, you can rotate a bunch of these guys. Because you want to see what they could do anyway. You want to see how where Mitchell's at coming off the injury. You want to see Josh Umaterbebe, who had a very good final week of training camp. Jalen Green is steady. We have seen him. I think you know what he brings to the table. But I, I want to see Joseph Lewis on the field early. He's someone that I really thought turned a corner in the middle of training camp. I know he was bothered by a groin for a while, and so maybe that's what held him back early because I thought Randall Grimes was better in the first half. And Grimes is someone I want to see too. I think just in general, play these freshmen, don't redshirt them. You'll know. You play them enough, and you'll know what they can do. I was very surprised when they all redshirted last year. I still think that was a mistake. They were... I mean, they got a lot, obviously, out of Juju and Darius and Deontay. But it wasn't like Darius had shown that he would be great. And Deontay had played just a little bit. And Stephen Mitchell was starting ahead of him. I think you could have played these freshmen. I think that would have been a good thing for them for now. I think they're in a better place now if they play last year. And and so now, it, it's just hard to tell. It's hard to tell at practice. Really, none of them have played other than Pittman, who's out. So I think you need to play the freshman. And I, I expect them to rotate a lot. I don't think it will be much like last year where they're going to lean on three guys and those guys are going to play the majority of the game. I think they're going to be rotating. In fact, I asked T. Martin that and he said... We plan to play about six or seven. And that's probably what they should do there. But I'm just very surprised that they have Mitchell starting on the outside. Because if you want one of your slot guys to move out, then wouldn't it be Burnett? Wouldn't that make more sense? Well, that kind of makes me think that our message board insider might be, you know, right on the money is because you're right. Like that's what you would want to do. So maybe it's not real because you know, maybe they, they just assume Burnett will be in the slot. They want him to continue working there. And uh, you know, they're having Mitchell get ready to kind of move around if necessary. And they're, you know, at the same time lighting a fire under Vaughn's. See, one of the problems, totally with you. another issue I think with this receiving corpse is that they don't have that guy like Woods or Nelson Aguilar, not just from a talent standpoint, but a versatility that could line up in all three spots. They, they really don't have that guy that's ideal in any spot. It reminds me of 2014 where they realized early that Juju was one of their top guys and he had to play outside and so they moved Aguilar in the week of the opener, where Jenny Harris was starting in training camp. Nelson took over and became the slot receiver. So that they, they, that way they could have Juju and Aguilar together. Right now, 
you can't really play any of them. Like, the slot guys have to be in the slot most of the time, and the outside guys have to be on the outside. They don't have anyone that could just freely move from one spot to another, in my opinion. No, I completely agree. They're kind of locked into where they're at a little bit, whether they're outside or, or slot. So, we'll see. I mean, we might be critiquing this too hard, but I think this is a concern. I think it's oh, I manifested in, in in a way that they're unable to move the ball at times in practice, and Darnold had a lot of the, the interceptions early in camp, although, you know, didn't have any in the... He, he had one day in this past week where he had a couple, but really for about a week and a half, I think he just threw those two, whereas he threw five in the first three practices. So I think he's figuring them out, but it's going to be different in games, and uh, and therefore I think they're going to look at this next position that we're going to break down tight end. I think that he's going to be targeting them a lot. Yeah, uh, definitely, especially if uh, Daniel Martabebe is completely healthy because uh, he's the star. And uh, he's the top tight end on your depth chart, obviously, and, and will be when they release theirs. Uh, underneath him, a little bit interesting, though, because, uh, you know, not only, obviously, is there a talented freshman, but Tyler Petit's been there forever. Kerry Angeline's a guy that had, you know, scholarship offers from pretty much every big school in the entire country and is freakishly tall. And Adam, what do you think they're going to do, and, and what do you what would you do? That's also what I want to know here with the tight end spot underneath uh, Daniel and Matabebe, obviously. Okay, well, let's start with Daniel because he hasn't practiced. He's supposed to return this week. Assuming that he's healthy and available to be the number one guy, then it's a matter of who do you play alongside him and who do you spell him with. I look at Kerry Angeline. It's another situation where I think the more talented guy is the younger guy and the newer guy. And you're going to have to deal with that. There are going to be those freshman mistakes. They have some redshirt freshmen here and true freshmen here who obviously haven't played yet, but they're going to be better players. I think Angeline is that at tight end. I have him at number three, though, because... The way that we're seeing the reps go, Tyler Petit is, has been the, the first team tight end most of the time when he's been healthy. He was coming off a concussion. He's back now. If Daniel Amaravevi could not start, I would expect Tyler Petit to start. Uh, even with Daniel playing, I think Petit will be their number two. Angeline will play. I really don't know how much. That's why it was so hard to set his over-under. I might have set it well over what, you know, what the, the amount of playing time he'll get. Or it might be, I might have gotten in early on him, you know, and maybe he'll play quite a bit. Cause I, I think he's their second-best tight end and needs to be on the field. I know that they're going to use more than two guys, but how much will they use that third guy, the top two are healthy? I don't know yet. So I have him at number three, because that's the way the reps were going. But I think he should be number two. I agree that I also think he should be number two, because I, I think he has the talent of a future NFL player. His high school coach uh, had a has a former 
player in the NFL right now in the Cincinnati Bengals, and he told me he thought Angelo was going to be beyond him, and it was already better than he, like way better than he was in high school. So I think he has a really bright future. To me, Petit is like a nice college tight end. He's not like a you know NFL freak tight end or something like that. He's just like, oh, that's a good like decent college tight end. You're happy to have that guy on your roster. Um, but I don't think he's what Angeline's going to be. So to me, it does matter. Injuries do matter because I think if Imarta Bebe is completely healthy and playing, it makes sense that Petit's number two because he's the guy you trust. You could put him in and, you know, nothing bad happens and everything's okay. I think if an injury kind of lingers with him a little bit, you start to look at Kerry Angeline maybe, you know, being number one or being one, being 1A and 1B with him and Petit. And Petit's kind of doing the blue-collar work, and he's kind of doing the more spectacular stuff that Imar Tabebe could do. So I think it all kind of depends. But I personally would be trying to get Angeline involved a lot this year as well. Yeah. Beyond that, we're going to talk about the freshman after we do the Geb chart. So I'll just I'll stop it there. I mean, I have Croman Hope next, and then Josh Follow, who's been injured. He's fifth. But um, after we finish the depth chart, we'll go through each of the true freshmen and give you our prediction on whether they'll redshirt or not. All right. Offensive line. Yeah. It's finally settled, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's easy. It's it's pretty settled. Um, But still a fun discussion. You want to start with right tackle? Let's start there. Okay. Chuma Doga on top. Obviously, and then underneath that, uh, it gets a little nuts, right? It could probably change up or whatever else, but uh, what are, what's going on with your depth chart, Adam, that you published? Yeah, the way I wrote it down was really, again, a reflection of what we saw in practice. Offensive line, however, is a position where I could see them moving guys that they want to play who might be practicing at one position, but they feel confident could go and fill in at that spot. So if one of the frontline guys went down, then it's almost like you can power rank the linemen rather than just, it wouldn't necessarily be the second team guy at that spot. It would be the number six lineman overall. So it might be Andrew Voorhees, true freshman, He's been battling a, a nagging back injury, which Clay Helton said will not require surgery. And uh, you could tell he was relieved to just report that injury. So we're anticipating Voorhees to be back in practice and available. I think he might be next on the pecking order of offensive linemen. It's not totally clear. Right now we're seeing Clayton Johnston as a backup right tackle with Voorhees down. Clayton, of course, had been working at left tackle for the majority of training camp with the first team, splitting reps with Toa Lovingon, but really taking more of those first team reps than Toa. And then in the final week, Toa took over at left tackle, which is what we had predicted a while ago. And with that, Clayton moved over. But I don't know that Clayton moved over because Voorhees went down. That kind of happened simultaneously with Kella going to left full-time. Or was it because they see him at right tackle more than they do left tackle? That's not clear. That's something that will, you know, that will probably be settled maybe these next two weeks. So I'm not exactly sure who the backup right tackle is, but I could see 
either Voorhees or Clayton playing there. But there's an outside shot, okay, that Nico Fala could go there. If Schumel went down, Nico Fala could go there. Toa could go to center. If, and only if, they feel ready to put Austin Jackson on the field at left tackle. And and so that scenario might have to take place later in the year. Not necessarily the opener. But that is a scenario that I could see happening at some point during the year. So, right tackle, bit complicated after Chuma, but Chuma's your guy. That's a lock. Yeah, the starters pretty much all seem like locks. Right guard, Vianna Talmayval is going to be that right. guy. After that, it seems like these, these guys could all change if he goes down. I'm not, maybe Jordan Austin does get in for him, but Here, maybe yeah. he changes. That, that's another one. Jordan... I wouldn't be surprised if he were it because Vianney was out for parts of camp and Jordan got a lot of the work with the first team. That's another situation where if Voorhees is healthy, maybe Voorhees is the right guard. I think Voorhees and Jordan are probably about even right now in terms of the way the staff sees them. They're really high on Voorhees, evidently. But Austin might be the guy there too. Yeah, and then after that, it doesn't, you know, it's the, I, I feel yeah, like, you know, you have a guy, a potential red shirt, and then a guy that right. might just be moving we'll, around. We'll go with the two geeks so. for now at a lot of these yeah. spots. Okay, okay. I'm glad you specified that because I was trying to make you do all seven or whatever. Uh, center, Nico Falla, and then his backups. I think that's pretty Yeah, that's pretty easy yeah. right and there. With Cole Smith being down right now, Brett Mewen's got a great opportunity to just get some of those reps that you don't really get when you're a true freshman on the line and you're the third-team guy. But if Fowler were to go down, Joe Lovingon's moving center, basically. I, I don't think it would be Cole Smith playing. I think it would be Joe No. No, I think you're right on with that. Left guard seems like where Chris Brown has uh, settled in now and Kind of similar to the other positions, Roy Hemsley seems like it's, it's clearly his backup. Yeah, Martin as well. Yeah, it's pretty solid and set, pretty easy. Left tackle is where Toa Lobendon ended up, and where we're waiting to see, you know, if Austin Jackson can become the next big thing at USC at that position. Yeah, I mean, he might have to play this year, so it, it really probably would depend on an injury first. But offensive line. You're typically going to go through a couple guys. I Yeah. Yeah, so I think he's the backup there. On the depth chart, we might see Clayton Johnson listed there. It could be uh, Johnson ahead of Jack Johnson ahead of Jackson. That's not clear yet. Like I mentioned, Johnson moved to right tackle in the last week, but Voorhees went down. But Jackson is the future of left tackle. I think we know that. And it's been a while since they've had a guy that they brought in that you knew they were the future at left tackle, right? I mean, yeah. you never really thought that about Chad Wheeler, even though he ended up being a four-year starter. But yeah. but that wasn't the thought that this is your left tackle for three, four years, for sure. No doubt. And I mean, Max Kirk played there. Joel Lovingon played there. 
Andre Walker played there. E.J. Price came in, and you briefly would have thought maybe he's the future there. Um, he did play with the second team during fall practice. But Austin Jackson, I put him above any of these guys in terms of his future potential. He should be their left tackle in the future. And maybe next year. Toe Lobingon's a redshirt junior. Nico Fala is going to run out of eligibility. Toe Lobingon might be moving to center next year if he doesn't leave. And then Austin Jackson becomes a left tackle. I can see that happening. So do you want to know my offensive line that I would run? Yeah, sure. I mean, with a lot of these guys, you can move them around. Oh, I would. Okay, what would you do? Okay, right now for, Nico, for the opener, what would you do? I would leave Nico Fall at center because I felt like he was pretty good there and consistent, you know. Uh, and I, I felt like they had snapping issues really before he took over, and I haven't, you know, felt that way for a while now. So I'd leave him there. Uh, I want Toa Lobendon at left guard. I just do. I just think that's his spot. I think he's a guard. And I think that, you know, he's kind of getting the short end of the stick because he's one of their better linemen. They, like, force him to play positions that he's not that great at, and it might hurt him. So I would put him at guard. I'd leave Vianney Talmavall at right guard. I would put Chris Brown at right tackle. I would make Chuma Adoga play left tackle, and then I would make Elijah Vera Tucker. Or not, I'm, I'm sorry, Austin Jackson. I'm there's so many A's, Andrew Voorhees, yeah. too. I think Austin Jackson kind of be that, like, consistent, like, oh, he's spelling in at right. He's spelling in at left. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? He's constantly, like, subbing in for guys mm-hmm. so that when he's ready, he becomes the left tackle, and then all of a sudden you're battling Chuma and Chris Brown at right tackle. But to start, I would say, hey, Chuma, you're probably the guy on this roster that makes sense as a left tackle you know, outside of your freshman counterpart. Yeah. Uh, they probably can't play it yet, so you have to play it. Chris Brown can play right tackle. He's that kind of guy that could be a guard or a right tackle. He probably makes more sense yeah. uh, as that type of person than a lot of other guards on the roster, so I'm putting him at right. And then I think the interior is really strong if you have Vianney, Talmaval, Nico Fala, and Toa Lobendon. And uh, the tackle situation still a work in progress, but it is right now anyway. So I would try to, try to strengthen the middle and hope to figure out the tackles. That's not crazy at all. I mean, you're getting Toa in his most natural position where he played his best football. You're getting your best tackle on the left side. I, yeah, I... That's an alignment that a few months ago I thought we would see when I thought Chuma was going to stay at left tackle after working there for the entirety of spring. Because I never thought Toa would play right tackle. So I figured Brown would play right tackle, Toa at left guard. I like it. I I think that actually could happen, too. You know, these aren't set in stone. I don't think that where they line up for game one has to be where they'll line up for each game. You know, if they play well there, then they're not going to tinker with it. But if they don't, and they might not, then they might make Schumann move over. That might be the biggest problem. I don't know. I did talk to Choa about being a left tackle. It's something that we have talked about for for a while now. And I'll tell you that, you know, you know Choa, 
great kid. He's really honored. He's really determined. He believes in himself. He's excited. I think that's, that, that means something, that he wants to play left tackle, where Chuma Joga does not. So, we'll see what happens. I understand why someone might not be sold on the arrangement as currently constructed. I, I don't think we know. I'm, I'm maybe more curious about this than any position on the, any unit on the team. This and receiver. Yeah. But definitely two. Yeah. Two biggest question marks. Yeah. So, I guess to be continued on that. But I believe that this is the starting five for game one, with Toa at left, Chris Brown at left guard, Nico in the middle. Viani and then Schumann. Defense. Da, 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 da. <laughs> defense. Da, 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 da. Let's start with the defensive line. Yeah. And and I'm going to need you to guide me through this a little bit too because, uh, you know, with their nickel and stuff, right. we've got to touch on that a little bit. But uh, your starters for the, for the three-man, if they do a three-man front, Rasheem Green, Marlon Toy Pelotu or Josh Fatu at the nose, and then Malik Dorn at defensive tackle. Under Green, you have Christian Rector and Jay Tufele. Uh, under Malik Dorn at defensive tackle, you have Leon Jimmins and Jacob Lichtenstein. And then at, under uh, Toy Pelotu and Fatu at the nose, you have Brandon Peely or Kenny Bigelow. Uh, let's start with defensive end and Rasheem Green. Uh, what, how did you kind of. Uh, you know, come up with, with well, what's going on there with the rotations, and what do you, how do you kind of think yeah. that's going to play out? It feels like he's sort of the guy. There. Yeah, I, we know that, but it is something where they do rotate, and Rector and Tufele are both peop, guys that I think um, you can play right now. Um, I've always liked Rector as an underrated guy, someone that you know in spot duty, um, maybe for a couple dozen snaps can be productive. I like the way that he practices, and I think he's been fairly productive when he's gotten a chance to play. Now, I don't expect them to to start a three-man front that often. They might list it in the pregame on the video board, but they're going to be a nickel more than half the time. But now, a year ago, when I did the depth chart, I only listed two spots. I felt like I probably should list three because they do practice with three and they do play with three. So even if it's not a full-time thing, better to just list all three spots and the nickel. So if you count it, there are 12 starters, even though obviously there'll be 11. But the primary guys are green and then whoever they have at at defensive tackle, which you know they, they pull the nose tackle when they have two guys. So... The defensive tackle becomes all these other guys. And at the top of that list is Marlon Chui-Pelotu, the freshman, and Josh Fatu, the senior. Right now, I don't know who's going to start. I think you can go. I think they'll go in one of two ways. Either they'll start the veteran, because he's that, or they'll start the freshman, because that's kind of sexy, kind of interesting, kind of exotic. It's something that you can mark down, like, hey, we started that guy from day one. But 
they've been about even. I don't think you can go wrong with either one. We'd think Faku probably take a few more first-team reps over the course of training camp. But I thought they both have been fine. Neither one of them has pulled far ahead from the other. So I'm not convinced which way they should go or even which way they will go. I know you have you have some thoughts on this. Yeah, I, I would go with the freshman. Uh, I would go with the star because to me, Josh Fatu, he's a nice upperclassman, junior college transfer that you're like, oh, glad we have him there for depth. We need that. But Marlon Toypolo, too, you know, he looks like a future star. I know he's young and I've been kind of, you know, try to curb everybody's enthusiasm a little bit about him because he's so young. But he looks like a future star. And I think if it's anywhere close to being even, you put that guy in and you try to get him to reach his stardom as quickly as possible. He looks like the type of defensive lineman that USC wants to have playing, even though he's younger. Play him. That's my feeling on it. Play the young guy. Um, Adam, I do also want you to tell me a little bit about Kenny Bigelow. I know what's going on, but I feel like some of our podcast listeners might be a little bit surprised that you have him in an oar at the bottom of the nose tackle competition with a freshman. Yeah. Well, first of all, real quick note on Brandon Peely. He's looked really good. He's someone that you want to get on the field and see how he'll respond to that situation because he's definitely shown up in practice. He's the biggest guy on the team. You know, he's physically ready to play, and I think he'll produce. Kenny Bigelow is someone that I, I just I, I think I could say freely we all want to see get on the field and play well. And we have to be objective here, but Bigelow's putting a lot of time and been through so much. And my hope for him for a while now has just been to at the very least play. Maybe he won't play that well, but I hope he gets to play. I hope that he wouldn't go through five years at USC without really having played at all. And a lot of it, you know, because he was ravaged by injury. Well, unfortunately... Even though he's about a year and a half out from his second surgery for a torn ACL, he's still limited by that. He's still affected by that. He's still hampered in practice and can't go sometimes. He's not getting a lot of reps. And I wondered, is it because he's not able to? Because there are times where he'll shine in practice, so... You know, I didn't know if he was inconsistent, but I've learned that, no, it's just the knee acting up. You know, and, and when you're a big guy like that, that, that swelling will creep in, and there are days when you're not right, and you can't go. You're not able to. As bad as he wants to go, he's not always able to. It just sucks. It, it really sucks for him. So it might be something that's going to kind of nag him throughout the season. And maybe they're going to throw him out there and see what they can get from him. And he'll he'll go as much as he can, and then he'll come off. So right now I have him listed as an or with Brandon Peely. And I'm not saying because he's the fourth best guy there. I don't even know what he is. We haven't even been able to see him go full speed for, you know, two weeks straight. But I think he might be the third or fourth guy in the rotation, unfortunately. 
That is unfortunate. I do feel better that you said something good about Brandon Peely because after the Polynesian Bowl this year, I told everybody that I thought he was on the level of a Rivals 254 star. So I feel a little bit smarter about saying that now that you've uh, confirmed that he looks good. Yeah. So thank you, Adam. Make me feel so smart. Defensive tackle, I feel like we kind of just threw that in with the nose, right? We kind of just splash that all together so why don't we move to the well, outside linebackers yeah i mean a final note on defensive tackle okay when when they do go three it's hard for me to say right now with confidence who would be the third guy like let's say they have rasheem and they have either well we've actually seen rasheem marlin and Fakio all together and that might be what it is you play your top three guys go for the top three but i think beyond them you're looking at rector um, so again, I'm listing, I, I'm not trying to list everybody at two spots, and that's why I have Jordan as the head guy at defensive tackle, but I would probably say Jordan is closer to the middle of the pack among all defensive linemen. I have a feeling USC might list a bunch of guys at two spots. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with that depth chart. Who knows? We'll they literally have not released the depth chart in the year 2017. Yeah. It's August well, 21st. They want to wait till the end of 2017. Yeah. It's like a new, their New Year's resolution was to get it done before the end of the well, year. Maybe it was no depth charts. Maybe that was their New Year's resolution. Okay. Wouldn't that be fun? All right. Outside linebackers. Let's start with the strong side. Okay. Uchenna Nwusu, mm-hmm. who I think is uh, probably the best linebacker on the team. I just like to say that every week so that when it happens this year, I'll look really smart. Uh, followed by, on your depth chart, on the Adabaya depth chart, uh, Wale Batiku or Connor Murphy. And then uh, freshman Juliana Falonico is uh, listed as fourth at strong side linebacker. Adam, what is going on there in your mind? Well, you'll see that. It kind of mirrors what's going on at the Predator spot where Bakiko and Murphy are listed beneath the starter because they got into a place where they can play on either side. And I got both of them had a really good training camp. And I, I've talked to Clancy about it a few times, and he seems to be confident in them. I think he finally trusts them. I think they're both going to play a good amount. It's hard because Uchenna and Porter didn't come off the field that much, especially Uchenna. So you never know at Clancy how much he'll actually rotate. But I do think that he is comfortable with playing Bakiko or Murphy and playing them at strong side or at Predator. So they're they're basically both the backup at both spots. Bakiko might be ahead of Murphy. I'm not even sure about that, but they're, they're about even, and they can alternate between the two spots. But they're going to play. They're they're three, uh, you know, three A and three B basically behind Uchenna and Porter. Yeah, I'll just mention Predator since since it was kind of mentioned anyway. I probably should have just thrown them together. I don't think these things through all the time. Port Augustine's the starter at Predator. Hunter Eccles, like Juliana Falnico at Sam. Hunter Eccles at Predators, listed as the fourth guy there. Doesn't seem like much of an opportunity for either of the freshmen at these spots, really. Um, but uh, I guess we'll see what injuries say. But uh, Adam, and I assume that you're matching up pretty 
much with what the coaches think on this spot because I'm yeah, feeling that way they, as well. They like they might list Wole at one and Murphy at the other, but I can tell you that they've been doing both in practice and they're basically even. And more importantly, I think they have good depth here. I think that between Uchenna and Porter and in these two reserves, they have they have a great outside linebacking core. That 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 was something where a year ago there was so much weight on Uchenna and Porter, and both of those guys were becoming full time players for the first time. Now it looks like they're two of maybe the better defenders in the conference, and then they have two backups that, because of their ability to play both spots, they're going to be starters probably next year. You know, if Porter leaves, Uchenna obviously will be gone. So they have guys that are going to be starters behind them. That's when you have depth. Not when you have a guy that maybe has potential, but you know, you're know you not sure about. I think with Bukiko and Murphy, those are future starters. So I, I like their depth there more than I do at some other spots. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the inside spots looking pretty strong. Too actually, uh, if we if we look at it, uh, Cam Smith is obviously the middle linebacker. We know that uh, Jordan Iosefa is his backup, followed by Grant Moore, who I believe was just uh, given a scholarship very recently. Uh, so congratulations to Grant Moore. Uh, the weak side linebacker John Houston, followed by freshman Levi Jones on your depth chart, who's ta- overtaken apparently Elijah Wan, Buddha Tucker, Adam. What's uh, the latest with those inside spots? That's how we're seeing him. That's how we're seeing the reps. Levi's the backup to Houston. I was for the backup to Cam. However, you have Houston working both at middle and weak side a little bit. And then I was for doing the same. Middle and weak side. Jordan's primarily in the middle and Houston's primarily in the weak side. But they like to double train. Uh, Cam, of course, last year played weak side, and now he's playing middle linebacker, so he's not taking reps of both spots, but he's capable of doing both. It's another position where I, I think they should be strong. There's a little bit a little bit less experience among these guys, but I think the talent is about where it is on the outside. And Levi Jones really looked good in training camp. And I think he is a backup weak side linebacker. Elijah Tucker can probably move around and he could play outside linebacker. He could play inside. But he's probably the you know the, the fourth or fifth guy in general at linebacker where it would take a couple injuries before you're going to him. I think he's falling for being a senior. That's a spot where that senior is not ahead of the young guys. Interesting. Interesting development there, too. Uh, the defensive backfield is next. We're almost at the end of the uh, defensive side of this depth chart. That's crazy. Uh, corner? Mm-hmm. Pre- been pretty consistent. Iman Marshall and Jackie Jones. You have listed under Marshall uh, Isaiah Langley followed by Dom Davis, who recently moved from running back, and he's in an oar with freshman Jaquari Godfrey. 
The other cornerback spot, obviously Jones is the starter, as I mentioned, Jackie Jones. Below him, Jamel Cook, followed by freshman Greg Johnson. Some uh, interesting changes there if you haven't been paying attention in the defensive backfield. What's happening, Adam? Cornerback is another spot where I think you can basically power rank them, and you're going to play not maybe who I listed as a backup to the top guy, but really a ranking of who's the number three guy, the fourth guy, and so on. So Biggie would be one. Jack is two. They're both starting. Number three would be Langley. Who's number four? I don't really know. I really don't know. I actually think Greg Johnson, the freshman, can become number four. He might not be right now. He was hampered a bit in training camp by a shoulder injury, but he returned before the end of it, and he looked really good in the scrimmage this past Saturday. Really physical guy, and I think a future starting cornerback, where I don't know if Jamel Cook is a future starting cornerback. Dom Davis has been there for a week, so don't know about him either, of course. And then Ja'Cory Godfrey... I'll just say now, I'm fully expecting a red shirt because he's still limited by the injuries that he came in with. And when asked when I asked Clay about it, he intimated that it's going to take some time before he's really healthy, that they want to be really cautious about it. He's someone that they would hope would be a future starting cornerback. But I don't think it's someone that they're going to test this year. I don't think they feel like they need to. So with him redshirting, with Jonathan Lockett, undergoing another hip surgery, and he's out for the year. You might even move a Jane from nickel to outside corner um, if they needed a, another cornerback. I can see that happening. So right now, yeah. I, I, I can tell you Langley's number three. I don't know who number four is as of this moment, but I'm anticipating that Johnson will elevate to that role. Look at you. Defense, it seems like on defense we haven't really had anything to disagree with with the coaching staff as well. I just wanted to throw that in there because uh, we used to do that. And it doesn't seem like there's not you know much to disagree with here. Uh, safeties. Let's talk about nickel first. Oh, okay. We'll go nickel. A giant starter, and then Achille Ross is behind him. And Achille, I think, had one of the better training camps among defensive players on the team. I'm wondering if he's going to be like Chris Hawkins a year ago. Where Hawkins started the year as a starter, Achilles won't do that. However, Hawkins became like their 12th guy, their first guy off the bench, and was able to, to play nickel or play safety for them. They rotated him with Marvell, with Leon McQuay. I can see Achilles doing that. I can see him being, you know, the nickel, um, maybe expelling Ajene Harris or kicking over that position, like I mentioned, if Ajene ended up playing corner. And then I can see Achille being the uh, the top reserve at safety behind Hawkins and Marvell Kell. Nice little segue to safety there, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I think so. Uh Speaking of Ross, you do have him backing up Marvell Tell at free safety on your depth chart. He's followed by C.J. Pollard and then freshman Isaiah Polamau. The strong safety side is Chris Hawkins, of course, our old friend. 
Matt Lopes, who's been at USC since 1998, <laughs> and Bubba Bolden, true freshman as well. Uh, again, not a lot to disagree with unless you're thinking, hey, I, I you know, want to move these young scholarship guys ahead of uh, you know, uh, an old Wiley veteran and Matt Lopes, but I'm not even sure that's going to happen. Adam, what's your take with safety? Well, I think the topic's pretty set. Hawkins and Kell, we knew that. We've known that for a while. But behind them, I think a lot can happen. I think there's a lot of potential for uh, these freshmen to, to work their way out of a red shirt. Um, I, I mentioned before, Achille Ross, I think, is the third safety right now in general. Um, although Matt Lopes is someone that gets a lot of reps and they're comfortable playing him. So he might be right behind Achille as number four. And then CJ Pollard had a good training camp too. And after redshirting, he's probably ripe. He's probably ready to go. I think he'll play this year. How much, I don't know yet, because I, I can't tell you right now where the freshmen are at. You know, we've got good things from both Bubba Bolden and Isaiah Polamau, and we've got a lot of them on special teams. So how much will they play safety? I, I really don't know. I can, I'll kind of spoil any suspense there. I predict both of them cannot redshirt. I think they're going to play. But are they going to play at safety with all these guys that are returning and have experience? And, you know, that's a position where you really want people that, that know what they're doing. Um, it's not just, you know, built or predicated on athleticism. They might not play a lot at safety, but they're going to play. So that's where I think, again, through the course of the year, they can work their way up. Uh, Pollard can work his way up. Achille has been, I think, winning playing time with each week of practice. And it might be a safety, it might be a nickel, I'm not sure yet. And Matt Lopes is also in the fold. So there's pretty good depth there, I would say. I think you're excited about their future if you look at that, that depth chart. And in the present, I think they're good. Will they be great? I don't know. I'm not sure yet. That that really depends on Kellen Hawkins. Hawkins, of course, was an all-conference honorable mention, even though he wasn't a full-time guy, he wasn't a starter. That's almost unheard of for a non-starter to make that list. Marvel Kell said that he, his goal is to be an All-American this year. Now, if he plays at that level, then you love what you get at safety, and you love your entire defensive backfield. But I think uh, he has to take a big jump to get to that point. Oh, yeah. We're, we're all rooting for him to accomplish his goals, though. Adam, yeah. normally I would say, hey, let's move right on to figuring out these red shirts, but uh, this team has about 15 to 28 players on special teams that are on scholarship. <laughs> So I think we should go over it. I don't think we should go through the whole depth chart, but maybe you just give us uh, kind of a rundown of what's going on with special teams. Okay. We all know about the competition at kicker. Michael Brown, Chase McGrath. I put an or there. For a while I had Brown 1 and McGrath 2. And while I think Brown is ahead, it's not by much. And I think... He's probably been out kicked by McGrath. For the, if you measure the totality of training camp, 
McGrath has been a little bit more accurate. And Brown has really had some tough games, too, where, I mean, he's been up and down. He's had some great games. He's had some, some bad games. Now, I talked to Clay about this. We, we were asking about it constantly. But I remember asking him just over a week ago if he envisioned using both guys. And he said, I really want to pick one and give him that confidence and ride with him for the year. And then just a week later, he said, that competition will remain open into the season, and we're going to ride the hot foot. So they don't know who their kicker is right now. And I think that they're not going to know until they get in the game, and they probably will use both of them. Okay. Anything going on at punter or snapper holder yeah. that we should have? Nothing, no? nothing I want to talk about that I care to talk okay. about. Okay. That's fine. I just had a few jokes lined up, but okay, we don't have to we don't have to go there. Oh, uh kickoff returner, punt returner. Anything that we should know about there? I almost forgot a lot of people care about those guys because yeah. they're the fast guys. Well they're important so. too. Unfortunately we didn't see a lot of live returns. So I'm really going based on what who got reps there. But I don't have any real opinion on who should do what because I haven't seen these guys return, you know, real returns. But it's going to be Jack and Velas uh, at both spots. They're competing at both spots. Now, they haven't made clear whether they're going to put Jack at one and Velas at the other. Or they're going to use Jack for both or Velas for both or what. But that's the competition. Jack and Velas at kickoff returner and punt returner. And then at kickoff, Behind Jack and Velas, we've seen a Jane, and we've seen a little bit of Steven Carr, and maybe he'll get he'll get work there. I don't know. I I know people have mixed feelings about that, and I, I want to ask you about that because a punt returner behind Jack and Velas it's John K. Burnett. He's been the third guy. How do you feel about having those people in particular, Steven Carr and John K. Burnett, returning kicks? I would have Stephen Carr return kicks and punts without question. He'd probably be one of my starters if it were me. Because for me, um, I understand if you have a, like an Adoree Jackson type, and maybe Jack Jones is like this too, where it's like, oh, they're so good, it doesn't matter what position they play. We want them to be returning kicks. But for me, there's something there's something to the fact that you know uh, Stephen Carr is going to be a backup tailback, and he's really explosive, and I just want to get him involved in the game. I want him warmed up. I want him to feel like he's touching the ball as much as the starting tailback. So I would actually want to have uh, Velas Jones, who's you know competing to start at receiver as well, and and uh, Stephen Carr returning punts and kickoffs because I just think there's something to getting them the ball as much as possible when they're offensive players that have the ball in their hands. That's what they do. I think that it helps their performance as receivers and as running backs. And I, I think that uh, it, you know, it, it helps build them uh, as com- uh, commodities for your team because people start looking at those all-purpose yards. And I, I just think there's, there's uh, no downside to having uh, you know, your star offensive players uh, play uh, you know, or return kicks for you. And it's something that I would do if I was the coaching staff, honestly. Yeah. And what about injury? I just to play devil's advocate. What about what about injury? Because Deontay Burnett is work. your top receiver, and Stephen Carr is, you know, your your second best running back and one of your better players in the team, probably. 
I get it for Deontay Burnett because I think that after him, you might, you know, be really worried about your receiving core. Uh, so I get that. I get, you know, maybe you want to protect him. But I honestly just think football is football. And you, if you try to protect people from getting hurt by not playing them on special teams, you know, they might just get hurt doing something else. It's football. Yeah. So uh, I get that for Burnett because, as I said, the receiving core, questionable. Stephen Carr, I want that guy to touch the ball. And I think that if he goes down, it might hurt the receiving core. But you do still have Ronald Jones. So yeah. it's not that big and of a concern to me. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Reggie Bush returned punts and kicks and everything, and he never got hurt, and so I think that's a little bit overblown, to be honest. I think that you throw them out there if they make you that much better. You know what I mean? If there's a notable difference between them and the next guy. I don't think you really get that because of what I think I expect them to get from Jack Jones or Vales Jones. If they didn't have other good options, then I could see Burnett returning punts or a car returning kicks. But because I expect Jack and Ve- or and or Velas to do well, then I guess you I don't think you need either one of them returning kicks. Okay. You know, I mean like well, you mentioned Reggie, um, Robert Woods, Marquis Lee. Yeah. These guys all returned. Uh, Nelson returned punts. Dory, of course. They were really good. All of them were really good. And it seemed like maybe the next guy wasn't going to be nearly as good. But I, I don't know if that's the situation here. I don't, I don't, at least with Deontay, I don't see him being way better than Jack or Vail's Chung returning punts. No, I don't see it right. either. And then with Carr, I don't know yet. I don't know yet, but I'd rather start with Jack and Bayless and, and not even really use Carr in that way. I, I'd rather, like I said, I'd want to get him on the field a lot too and get the ball in his hand, but put him in the backfield. I mean, he, yeah, that's fair. He, he's so natural at receiving the ball. So when you put him back there, you're not telegraphing what you're doing by any means. You can do anything with him. He's already, I think, ready to just... It's a matter of him knowing the playbook, of course, but he's already to, to, he's ready to do everything from that position. He can pass block, he can catch, and we know he can carry the ball. He looked outstanding in the last scrimmage. He looked outstanding in, I believe, it was the first one. I just think you got to play him now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I want him to return kicks and punts, so I definitely agree. Yeah. All right. Let's do the red uh, let's do the red shirts, the freshman. Yeah, you you yeah, tell tell me everybody you want a red shirt and why they should. Just go for it. Okay. Cuz I don't want a red shirt anybody and I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay. I am going to tell you my guesses on who will play and who will red shirt, okay? So I made a, I made two lists. Who will play? Stephen Carr, Randall Grimes, Joseph Lewis, the linemen, Andrew Voorhees and Austin Jackson. Defensive linemen, Marlon Tui-Poloku and Brandon Peely and Jay Kufele. Linebackers, Levi Jones, Giuliano Falonico. And defensive backs, Greg Johnson, Bubba Bolden, Isaiah Polamau. And then long snapper, Damon Johnson. He is a long snapper. He's not redshirting. And then the guys I think will redshirt, Jack Sears, 
Josh Follow, Eric Cromenhoek, Jalen McKenzie, who's offensive lineman, also Brent Nylon, or Nealon, Elijah Vera Tucker, defensive lineman, Jacob Lichtenstein, outside linebacker, Hunter Eccles, inside linebacker, Taylor Cotella, who's injured, and then cornerback, Jaquari Godfrey. A couple people I noted, Tufele and Falonico, I'm less confident about them. Because with Falonico, if you're not redshirting him, it's because you're gonna you're gonna throw him on special teams and you're gonna use him there throughout the game in that capacity. I don't think he'll play at linebacker this year. I don't think they'll want to use him there or that they'll need to. I mean, if you're not gonna redshirt him, then they could throw him in at the end of the game. But I don't think it's a need. I think it would be more because of special teams. So anytime you're using a guy just for that, there's a debate on whether you should redshirt them or whether they even will. They did that a year ago with Wole Batiko. They barely played him on defense. They did use him on special teams. Falamico might be that. And then with Tufele, it's just unclear. He's been working more with the third team of late. But big prospect coming from Utah. And most of the state kids do not redshirt, especially when they were a big prospect. So I wouldn't even bet on it. I, I'm closer to 50-50 on it, but I did guess that he will play. All right, what do you think? You know, <laughs> you're going to hate me. I actually completely agree with you because yeah? I feel like the guys that you pick to redshirt, it's very obvious, like, oh, it's loaded at that position, you know. Like, Jack Sears, obvious, right? Uh, the two tight ends, they don't need to play if, if Bebe is healthy. You know, they have enough tight ends. Uh, you pick the offensive linemen that aren't, like, the superstars, you know what I mean, that aren't, like, the big time, like, oh, they'll probably be, they might be gone in three years yeah. type, you know what I mean? Uh, Nealon, you don't need him. He might be the third or fourth center, really, when it comes down to it. You don't know what they're doing when guys are getting injured. Uh yeah, so I'm totally, I'm totally with you. Um, and also, I don't like redshirting guys in general. So I know some people will look at your list of will play and be like, "Well, we should, you know, USC should uh, redshirt Giuliano Falonico, or you know, they should redshirt, uh, you know, maybe this is like uh, Andrew Voorhees, or you know, one of the receivers or something, or one of the safeties." And I honestly think that all the guys you picked, they seem like they're on the verge of potential stardom in college. They seem like kind of the stars of the class. Hold Damon Johnson, of course, who's a long snapper, right? We'll, we won't put him in that list. But you don't redshirt those guys because are they really staying for five years? No. They're, they might not even be staying for four. So I, I am a, you know, I, I might even, you know, just not redshirt the tight ends either or something just because of that. But I'm pretty much uh, completely on base with you. I also want to say, I'm going to make this joke that I wanted to make earlier. I'm glad that Damon Johnson is on track to, uh, you know, do something big at long snapper because some special teams player with a scholarship has to do something eventually at USC. <laughs> That's all. That's my joke. Oh, boy. I'm sorry. All right. Well, with those red shirts. I would understand if you redshirt more of the linemen. I think skilled players, you typically do not want to redshirt them. You should get them on the field. But with linemen like Austin Jackson, in that guild world, Tolo Begon will handle up tackle and play at a high level and 
then you could spell him with Clayton, you know, in, maybe in a blowout. And you don't even use Austin Jackson. I can understand that. If that's what their course of action is. So, I'm not 100% confident about him either. That he'll play. But I'm guessing that he'll play. And not because I'm expecting an injury. Although that would explain everything. But I just, the way that you know the reps are going, it looks like they're going to use him. But I got, you know, some backlash on my prediction because people want Jackson to redshirt, and I agree with them. I would want him to redshirt too. I think with offensive linemen, and more often than not, defensive linemen, you want to redshirt them if you have depth there. Yeah, well, that's the thing. If you have depth there, USC is not at the position yet where they're redshirting, you know, top-level line recruits right. on defense or offense, yeah. really. They they yeah. might be on offense. I don't know. Like, Helton, I know, is really excited about his depth on the offensive line. And he's not just saying that about every position. You know, he has pointed out, like, where he's concerned with their depth. But with the offensive line, he seems pretty encouraged by it. And that's why I mentioned, like, maybe Clayton Johnston is the backup left tackle. Uh, maybe you play just one of the freshmen. And if it were only one, I think it would probably be Voorhees because he can play tackle or guard, and he was there in the spring. He's a little bit further ahead, assuming that he's healthy. So I can see adding a couple of the guys that I put under uh, playing as red shirts. He'd be one for sure. Falomiko would be another one, uh, depending on what they plan for him. Do they really have to have him on special teams? I don't know. And then even, even the safeties, do you have to play them? Do you have to play Bolden and pull him out? Probably not. You probably don't. Yeah. You can redshirt them. I'm predicting that they're both going to play, though. But I could see why you would redshirt them. I think the hard part with them, too, is that are you going to play one and redshirt the other? No. No, right? It's political, and you're not going to do that. The only way you get away with that is because of injury. But... It's harder to do that if they're both healthy. And it really, like, one hasn't been so much better than the other either. I don't know how you separate them right now. Greg Johnson's another guy that people thought would redshirt. I don't think they have the depth at cornerback to do it. And I also think that he's good enough to play now. So, that's just kind of my guess there. I could be off on that one. Maybe he is in line to redshirt. We're going to learn a lot this week, even before that depth chart comes out, because they're going to have the scout team. They're going to divide those teams, and more often than not, if you're a freshman on that scout team, then you're probably redshirting. It's not 100%, but that's the likelihood that you will redshirt. Brandy Peely, I think he's going to play. Marlon Tui-Poloku, I can guarantee you will play. Um, a couple other guys that I wasn't 100% confident about were the receivers. Really, Randall Grimes. I would say I'm close to 100 with Joseph Lewis, but Randall Grimes I'm less confident in because near the end of camp, he was working with the third team and just maybe wasn't making as big of an impression as he had made earlier in camp. So... With 11 scholarship receivers, maybe you redshirt one. 
Maybe he's a guy. I don't know. I wouldn't, though. I, I want to play him. I want to get him on the field. I think that a receiver really benefits from just getting experience. And that's why I thought a year ago, even though they were crowded, they should have played those guys. I think someone like Davis Jones right now would be so much further along if he had just played last year. Even though he wouldn't have played a lot, it would have been good for him to play. Yeah, but they love redshirting receivers almost as much as they love offering scholarships to kickers and punters and long snappers. So Yeah, none of that makes sense to me, right? No. No. no literally none of it. Yeah. Not one thing I said that they like to do. So. Final guy I want to mention, Eric Croman, Hope, tight end. I could see him not redshirting because of an injury to a tight end. He looked pretty good in practice. Um, I think, uh, again, if he's maybe your third tight end, they might use him if one of the top three guys isn't available for an extended period. Follow has been injured throughout training camp. He's in a red shirt for sure. But Kromenhoek, maybe he plays. Maybe he's with the, he'll be with the, the service team starting this week, but maybe sometime during the season they're down a guy. And, you know, because of the nagging injuries that we've seen with Imater Bebe and even Paquette with a couple concussions now, Kromenholt could end up being your number three guy or even your number two guy. So in that, in that case, he obviously would play. But even at number three, I think he could play. I don't think that would be bad either. No. You know what else isn't bad? What? The end of our show. I knew you were going to say that. You knew it. I knew it. You knew it was coming. I'm trying to take lessons from Chris Morales on how to tra- uh, you know, transition. I mentioned him because you mentioned him earlier. This is going to be uh, Nick from Cypress's favorite show. Anyway, uh, for everybody that listened, we really appreciate it as always. Sign up if you uh, do not pay and subscribe already. It's usc.rivals.com slash sign underscore up. Uh, it's how Adam Maya feeds his family, and it's how I feed all of my addictions. So and, keep signing up. And we feed interns now. We should make that we announcement, do. too. We have a new intern. Yeah. Zach Stubb. Go for it. sophomore at USC. And then we have Emily Smith back, who worked with us in the spring. And we have a few other people that, uh, that contribute from time to time. But um, Emily and Zach have a more defined role in our operation. Really excited about both of them. They were a help toward the, the latter part of training camp once they, they moved in to, uh, or back into their, their residences at USC. So we're gonna have more coverage. Oh, nice little shout out to the interns. They're defined roles because they're on campus. That's kind of what makes them special. They live there, just like Adam Maya. Uh, but you'll Practically. also, you'll. You'll see, we have plenty of other people on staff too that, you know, that you, we feed as well. So we'll keep them in mind and you'll <laughs> see them around as well. And uh, we hope that uh, you'll see them all on the message board as you sign up and you sign up for your friends and buy Christmas presents of usc.rivals.com for everyone you know. So hopefully that happens. Yeah, just remember, and, uh, more from you means more from us. And that's not always the case all over the place. I don't think that's the same thing at Walmart. Okay. Okay, that's our show. Thank you. Take care. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Molapai. Molapai. That...
It rhymes. Malapai. <laughs>